Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, Twins beaten last night in Seattle, 7-6, Jim. A, a late Kepler home run made it uh, a one-run game, and they didn't get anything after that. But, you know, they were down to Seattle, facing a pretty good right-hander. Uh, concerns from last night's game with Sonny Gray. It's getting to be kind of 3-4 starts now. He's struggling a bit with his control. It's a trend, and and again, his overall numbers remain very good, and he mm-hmm. looked really good in the All-Star game. But he keeps having that one bad inning that he can't get can't get himself out of. And let's be honest, he was dominant in April, and he's mm-hmm. been very average ever since. Uh, and his, his there are moments he looks great, but when he loses it, he seems to completely lose it. And that's a, that's not comforting when you're talking about a veteran, very capable pitcher. Uh, he's just not trending in the right direction. You know, Bailey Overs pitching for the Twins tonight. He might be their best starting pitcher at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lopez looked pretty good before the break and then uh, really pitched horribly against the A's. And, uh, you know, Joe Ryan is, is struggling to find command. And Sonny Gray, the problem with Sonny Gray is when he loses it, he loses it completely. I mean, he threw a lot of pitches last night that were what we call non-competitive pitches. They were balls that started off balls never threatened the strike zone, never made the hitter uncomfortable. They used to get to take it and, and wait for the next pitch. Um, he's got to be better than that. Yeah. Having been a pitcher at one time, of course, at a much smaller level, much lower level, but sometimes it, it, it just disappears from you. It's a difficult yeah. thing. I mean, he's firing his hand forward uh, on the curveball at 84 miles an hour or whatever and has to release it at just the right time. It's a very fine art uh, to throw strikes, and it can just get away from you. Oh, no doubt about it. But, you know, and, hey, it's not everything in baseball is really hard. Yeah. And that's what baseball is all about is giving people 162 games to, to establish who's better at this very difficult craft than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, know, you understand, I actually understand people missing in the strike zone and getting hit hard more than I understand a veteran pitcher not coming close to the strike zone. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes other teams hit a good pitch. Sometimes you hang one. But what really, to me, bothers you is when people don't give themselves a chance. It's a, you know, like Roy Smalley always has, he has so many great lines that just end up just resounding, you know, year after year after year when you watch the game closely. Mm-hmm. And one of his favorites about pitchers is your stuff doesn't get better later in the count. Right. So why not just throw it over the plate early? Yeah, that's you know, right. If you, if you just throw non-competitive pitches and you're down 3-1 or 3-2 or 3-0, Guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to throw your best stuff over the plate at that point. Well, why not do it when it's the counter's even or you're ahead? Why put yourself in a situation where they can keyhole you and they can look for one pitch and they can look to drive something? Why not keep them on the defensive and throw that good stuff early? Yeah. You know, uh, and, and we've talked about Pablo Lopez, too, who, uh, you know, has so far been solid, if unspectacular, uh, since the signing of that contract in particular. Do you have any concern, like what I think the Twins are still second in Team ERA, any concern that they might regress a little bit here in the second half of the season? Uh, I do, and I also know some Twins employees have shared the same worry that okay, mm-hmm. you, are you, did you did your first half of pitching uh, set you up for greater success, or was that your hot streak? And now you're going to have some guys get cold. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, listen. Gray has already regressed. Ryan is regressing. Over has pitched brilliantly, but he just ha- doesn't have a, a resume of pitching a lot of innings. Maeda has pitched really well, but you don't know how much he's got in the tank. And, you know, so, yeah, there are a lot of concerns there. You yeah. know, and and, I, I, and and now Gray is, is going backwards. 
there, there's definitely a concern there. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to just, I don't think they're going to go from like being dominant to being terrible. Right. But if they go from being dominant to being average, that might not be good enough for this team. Then if that happens, they need the lineup to start hitting. Uh, while I feel like the pitchers have kind of pitched over their heads a little, I, I really feel like the hitters have not performed up to their capabilities. It could be the pitching goes one way, the hitting comes back the other, and you know they kind of continue to win at the rate they have been. That's very possible. Now, they scored six runs last night, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to beat up on the hitters. Yep. But Buxton is helpless. Yeah. He is absolutely helpless. Right now, I think you could look at a lot of the guys in the lineup, and Rocco makes this point a lot, and say, okay, Gallo's doing about what he expects. Kepler is hitting down to low expectations. Uh, some of the rookies have overachieved. Kirilov's doing about what he would expect. Taylor's doing what you expect. Uh, you know, Jefferson Vasquez, Jefferson's overachieving, Vasquez is underachieving, and you're getting about what you expect. Mm-hmm. It's really... Cray and Buxton. It really is those guys. And Cray has started coming around. He, his approach is much better now. He's given himself a better chance. Buxton is gotten has gotten unusable. Yeah. You know they're facing a, they're facing three more right-handers in this series. I think I would rest Buxton the next two or three days, and I would start Walner and and a give Buxton some time to straighten himself out, and b send him a little shot here. Yeah. Tell him, hey, yeah, yeah, we love you, but you're not doing your job. You're not even come close to doing your job. They, they, they won't send him a shot. You can send him a shot just by dropping him in the order uh, before you wind up sending him to the bench for a, a couple of games, and they continue to hit him third. I would. Uh, I, I, I think he's, he's so gone mentally right now, I think he needs rehab. I think he needs to be pulled out, told just work on your hitting all day, take as many swings as you need, or take a mental health day and do nothing, whatever you think you need. But we can't send you up there when you are – Swinging and missing at fastballs down the middle by two feet. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, one for his last 31. forty-seven. he's hitting over the last 30 days. Uh, and then he's not playing in the field. Uh, yep. he's, he's a drag on the team right now. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, and he's supposed to be their best player by far. Mm-hmm. And right now he's not playing in the field, and he's their worst hitter going right now. Uh, and his speed is of no consequence because he's never on base. So he's a, he's become a he's gone from being a worrisome player to being a very problematic player. And you know what? This is this might be the right time to mm-hmm. approach him and say, you know what? We really think you're going to benefit if you play some in the field and take your mind off hitting and yeah. and win some games with your glove. And this might be the right time to approach him about that. Yeah, this isn't working. That's for sure. No. So why not no. try something different? Why not try Matt Walner in the lineup? They call him up and sit him on the bench. Well. I, and I understand that that's making a lot of people crazy, but mm. you called him up because of an injury, not because you know you're you're saying, oh, we have to get this guy in the lineup. Mm. Then you call him up, and Kepler's going through a pretty good streak. Gallo's going through a good streak, and he's got to replace one of those two guys in the lineup. Now, again, I would bat him for Buxton. Now, I would put him in the DH slot. But the last few four days, you know, the other guys have been hitting well. And and here's the thing, Gallo and Kepler are far superior to Walner defensively. Yeah. So. You know, if one of those guys slumps, Walner's an logical replacement, but they feel like one of the reasons they've had a good ERA the first half-plus half of the season is because they've had a very good defensive outfield, and Walner hasn't proven he's good that good out there. Uh, your most recent column was about the uh, Netflix documentary called Quarterback, in which Kirk Cousins was one of the three featured uh, QBs. Did you get a chance to watch the thing? Oh, yeah, I watched mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yep. I wrote about watching it, yep. and uh, I thought it was great. I just thought it was exceptionally well done. Uh, really, because, you know, I know Mahomes' dad. I I know I've read a lot about Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he, during the season, you know, 
after his all of his Chiefs workouts, he went to his own personal trainer and his gym and did all these crazy exercises that basically replicate all the crazy plays he makes on the field. Because you watch him run around and make crazy plays, you're like, oh, this is incredibly creative, incredibly an athlete. Mm-hmm. Then you watch the workout and say, that's why he can do it. He has the core strength. He has the uh, strength on both sides of his body. He has the, the balance. He does the agility drills. That's why he can spin around and throw an underhanded pass on a dime, because he trains for it. Yeah, and run left and throw right like nobody's yeah. business, the toughest throw in the game, uh, I've always thought. What did you make of Cousins' appearances in there? I think he did himself some good, making himself appear you know, much more human, which he kind of did with us and in public last year, too, but this kind of, this kind of refined that and just showed him that he, you know, he's, he's very earnest, he cares, he works, he plays through pain, he goes through incredible rehab to stay on the field. Um, so I thought he did himself some good by appearing much more human than sometimes he has as a Viking quarterback. Um, the downside is, you get to the end, and he looks nervous before the Giants game. He looks nervous during the, during the Giants game. He makes the, the, the throw to Hawkinson on fourth and long that mm-hmm. has no chance of and, – and by the end, you're like, okay, I like this guy more, but I have no more faith that he's going to take this team someplace. Interesting. Hey, uh, any concern that the Vikings haven't uh, given Justin Jefferson a contract extension yet? I'm more concerned about the Daniel Hunter thing because there's some real difference of opinion there, and whether they sign him, whether they sign him to multi-year, they just try to make you know make a do a one-year deal that keeps him happy for another year, or are they forced to trade him? I mean, I think the Hunter thing it hasn't gotten ugly, but there's a potential for it. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Jefferson deal, I just don't. I think they're going to get a deal. I just don't know what the timing's going to be. Mm. Uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.